بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار uh, so this is uh, the third lesson our third lesson on the series which discusses the story of Musa alayhi salam with Fir'aun and in the previous lesson we covered the stage in which Musa al-Islam was in the land of Madian and he spent 10 years in Madian and he had agreed with um, to, to uh, he had been his services had been used in order to look after the flock and to water them and so on and so forth so he got married in the land of Madian and he spent 10 years and we mentioned how he desired to go back to see his family in Misr and on his journey when he was making his way to Misr then this is when that event took place when he saw a light in the distance a burning light in the distance and so we covered all of that story where he went and he saw this bush that was burning and Allah Zawajal spoke to him and he showed to him a number of signs so first of all he, Allah Zawajal uh, informed him that there is none which has right to be worshipped except him then he ordered him to establish the prayer and likewise he informed him to be aware of the hour so he informed him with three things Tawheed, As-Salah, the prayer and uh, al- uh, the Yawmuddin, the, uh, the, the day of judgment, the day of resurrection. And on top of that, he then also showed him two signs. The first sign was his staff, which was turned into a snake. And the second sign was his hand, which became extremely uh, bright and you know, very, very shiny. And it illuminated you know, the, the area. So these two signs, all of these affairs were basically a preparation because Allah Zawajal announced uh, the messengership of Musa al-Islam by way of this and he was ordered to go to Fir'aun and to uh, admonish him and to advise him and to warn him you know, of, of the hereafter and for him to leave his oppression and leave his arrogance and to release the Bani Israel, to release the Bani Israel, because he had enslaved them. So, in the previous lesson, we looked at that issue, and we also saw how Musa al-Islam, he made a supplication for Harun, his brother, to be sent as a prophet, as a, as a, as a minister with him, to speak on his behalf, because Musa al-Islam had a speech impediment. He was unable to speak uh, properly. So, we got to the situation where Musa and Harun السلام, they came to the Fir'aun and when they came to the Fir'aun 
and the initial dialogue which took place, we saw that Musa al-Islam, uh, when he came to Fir'aun, Fir'aun used a number of false arguments. And one of the points that we made in the previous lesson is that when we study the stories of the messengers and the people to whom they were sent, and we look at the dialogue that takes place, the dialogue as it is presented between the prophet or the messenger and you know, the, the, the disbeliever or the polytheist or, or the tyrant in the case of, which is the Fir'aun in this case, we can see that there are many, many types of false arguments which are employed by the people of falsehood. And these are brought to our attention in the case, in, 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 in the course of the actual dialogue itself. So from the previous lesson, we, we picked out three uh, false arguments before Musa al-Islam even began to argue and to debate with Fir'aun. So from them was, the first thing that we mentioned is that Fir'aun, he began to mock Musa salam and said about him, وَلَا يَكَادُ يَبِينَ وَلَا يَكَادُ يَبِينَ That he is unable even to express himself. He can't even speak and express what he wants to say. And so here, this is more like a, 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 a belittlement on the basis of a, a personal quality, a, you know, a, an impediment, a, a flaw or, or a fault. And so this is not really a valid argument. You can't criticize someone and reject the argument purely on the basis of a flaw that they might have. Maybe the vision might be weak. Maybe the, the speech might be, um, you know, there might be some stutter in the speech. Or there might be some other physical impairment. Or there might be some... All of these are false arguments. This, this cannot be used to reject or to deny the truth which a person which a person may bring the second false argument that was used by fir'aun is that he tried to use a favor that he had given to musa alayhisalam as you know in the story musa alayhisalam was taken and he was raised in the household of fir'aun he was fed he was clothed he was looked after and then he went into the custody of his mother because she, she breastfed him. And then Fir'aun, he spent from his wealth to, you know, upon his mother and Musa al-Islam himself. So Fir'aun, he tried to remind Musa al-Islam of this favor. He said to him, did we, did we not, you know, did we not raise you in our household? And were you not born and raised in our house, household as, 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 as a child? And you spent many years of your life among us. And so, in other words, he's trying to say that I've got a favor over you. I've got a favor over you. You owe me a favor. And because you owe me a favor, I don't need to listen to whatever truth that you claim that you are bringing. And so this now is another type of false argument. Right, these are false arguments that we will encounter whenever we, for example, you might have, you will see parents, for example. You see a, a person becomes a Muslim, he was formerly a polytheist, he becomes a Muslim, and then he tries to advise his parents. And he says, oh my parents, do not worship Jesus. He was no more than a, he was no more than a man who walked the earth. 
He was a messenger, a prophet, but he was not a deity or a god. Do not worship him. And then the parents might respond, you know, didn't we raise you up and didn't we look after you and didn't we feed you, didn't we clothe you? Uh, this is not a valid argument. This is not a valid argument. Okay, they, this is a favor that you did, but this favor does not, it cannot be used to reject the truth. And so you can make the same analogy with all other types of, of disbelievers, polytheists, Hindus, and so on and so forth. This is a type of argument that you see frequently taking place from parents or from you know, close relatives uh, when, when a person invites them to the truth. They bring the favor and they bring this, this argument. And the third false argument that was used by Fir'aun was that Musa salam he fell into that deed when he was... Um, uh, when, when, when he killed that man who's arguing with another man from Bani Israel and he killed that man and he fell into error he fell into a mistake and Fir'aun he recounted this to him he said Fir'aun said to him you did that deed which you did and you are from those people who were ungrateful Meaning that because of that man that you killed and you violated the law in our land, you were from those people who were from the ungrateful people. You were raised in this land. You were brought up in this land and we raised you. And you did this deed, this, this, this criminal act. And so you became from those people who were ungrateful. This now is a third argument now. So what is this argument? The argument is that you did something wrong previously. So therefore, I don't need to accept the truth that you are bringing. This is also a false type of argument. It's a false type of argument. So, this means that, again, let's go back to the same, same uh, parable, same similitude. A person becomes a Muslim, uh, his parents are polytheists, maybe they are Christian, maybe they are Hindus or something, and uh, he tries to advise them, he calls them to Tawheed, and so they now bring some iniquity or some crime that he fell into or something that he did where he was ungrateful to his parents right so they might say did you not do such and such and you really hurt us and harmed us and we forgave you and we this and whatever again this is not this is not a valid argument this is just an emotional argument an emotional argument either when you try to impress someone because you bestowed favors upon them or an emotional argument where you try to bring something in which you were harmed by that person. Right? So all of these are false arguments. And in the Quran, all of these false arguments which are brought by the people of shirk and kufr and, and dalala, they are all mentioned and brought out within the stories of the prophets, which is why we should study these stories very carefully and in detail, because it allows us to see these false type, you know, the, the batil that the people... Uh, come with. So, before any argument has taken place between Musa salam and Fir'aun, we see a manifestation with we, we th three false types of arguments. So, just because a person has a defect, he has a flaw in speaking, for example, or it might be something else, that is not a valid argument to deny the truth. And just because you bestowed a favor upon someone, you have the upper hand over someone, that's not a valid argument to deny the truth. And just because someone might have fell into a crime or you know, some sort of um, 
some sin or some crime, that likewise is not an argument for you to deny or reject the truth. So these were the three arguments that were used by uh, Fir'aun in order to deny and to reject the truth. And this brings us now to the start of today's lesson. So we start today's lesson from this point, continuing from where we, where we left off. And so now we come to the actual dialogue. The dialogue between Musa salam and Fir'aun in terms of the actual argument. The argument about Tawheed, the argument about Allah's Rububiyyah, that He is the Lord, that He deserves to be worshipped, and those which are worshipped besides Allah in the land of Misr by, 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 by the people uh, under the rule of, of Fir'aun, that all of these are, are false deities. So, we start then, there are, there are two parts in the Qur'an where we see this dialogue which I mentioned. Uh, the first is in Surah Ash-Shu'ara, the 26th Surah, and we're looking here from verse 23 onwards, and also in Surah Taha, Surah Taha, which is the 20th Surah. So we'll spend some time, inshallah ta'ala, on these two dialogues, and we'll bring some kalam from, uh, this is from Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, and likewise from uh, Imam al-Sa'di, rahimahullah, they have some nice commentary on both of these passages. So, we start with the question of Fir'aun. So Fir'aun has been invited by Musa alayhi salam to worship Allah Azawajal and to abandon his tyranny and his falsehood and to release the Bani Israel. And the first part of that, the starting point of that, is obviously the issue of Tawheed. And in the land of Misr, as we mentioned in the previous lesson, there were people, the system that they had was that Fir'aun said, I am your Lord most high. And the Mufassirun, they explain that the people there had lots of deities. And what they would do was to serve serve those deities and worship those deities, but only as a means of of gaining access and become closer to Fir'aun. So in other words, there were lots of deities that, that were worshipped. But Fir'aun was the greatest deity because all of the other deities were simply a means of access to Fir'aun. And so they were worshipped by the people with the understanding that as long as they keep devoting themselves to these deities, whatever they might be, you know, in the form of statues and idols and in the form of cattle and whatever else, they'd be worshipped. And they would allow them access to Fir'aun. So Fir'aun was the greatest deity. So, Musa al-Islam invited him to the Lord of the worlds because they said, indeed we are messengers from the Lord of the worlds. So this now is the response of Fir'aun. He said, قَالَ فِرْعَوْنَ وَمَا رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَمَا رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ What is the Lord of the worlds? And then the dialogue continues. So let's read the dialogue and we'll come back to it inshallah. قَالَ فِرْعَوْنَ وَمَا رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ Fir'aun said, what is this Lord of the Worlds? What is this Lord of the Worlds? And so Musa Islam responded, قَالَ رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا إِن كُنْتُمْ مُوقِنِينَ He is the Lord of the heavens and the earth and whatever is in between them, 
if indeed you have certainty. Then Fir'aun said, قَالَ لِمَنْ حَوْلَهُ أَلَا تَسْتَمِعُونَ so Fir'aun said to the people around him, are, are you not listening? Are you listening to what he's saying? And so again, we'll pick up that this is another type of diversion away from the actual argument. Then Musa alayhi salam said, قَالَ رَبُّكُمْ وَرَبُّ آبَائِكُمُ الْأَوَّلِينَ Your Lord and the Lord of your first forefathers. He is your Lord and the Lord of your first forefathers. Then Fir'aun responds, قَالَ قَالَ إِنَّ رَسُولَكُمْ أَلَّذِي أُرْسِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ لَمَجْنُونَ He said, indeed this messenger of yours, this messenger of yours who's been sent to you, he is indeed, he is mad. He is mad, he is majnoon. So in this dialogue, there are many things that we can take from this dialogue. And we should try to relate what we see in this dialogue to the kind of arguments that we see today which, which take place between the people of Tawheed, likewise from the people of, of Al-Ilhad, from the, the atheists and the disbelievers and other than them, because there are many parallels uh, between, between these two affairs. So the first thing that Fir'aun said, he said, وَمَا رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ And Ibn Kathir says that this Fir'aun, may Allah disfigure him, he tried to present rejection of a creator. Right? So in front of all of his court and the people, he tried to proclaim the rejection of a creator, of the maker. So this is essentially like atheism. There is, there is no deity. And he claimed that he himself is the Lord most high as we see in another part in the quran that he gathered he called and he gathered all the people and he pronounced to them i am your lord most high so he denied that there was any other lord besides him and in saying what he was saying he was mu'anid he was mu'anid meaning that he knew full well that he himself, he is marboob, al-makhluq, al-masnu'a. Right, that he is marboob, meaning that he is one who has been created and nurtured and made and fashioned. Right, this is something that each person knows from himself, that he didn't, he didn't create himself. You didn't cre every person knows that you didn't create yourself. And every person knows that humans did not create the means by which they come into existence. The means by which you come into existence is reproduction, right? From a fluid, from a male, and something from the female, right? So it's impossible for you to create yourself, and it's impossible for you to create the means through which you came into being as well, right? So every person, it's a self-evident truth to each individual that you know that you did not create yourself, nor did you create the means through which you created yourself. And that you are created, that when you look at yourself and you look at everything, from your eyes, your ears, your faculties of thinking, the internal organs, just the physical, you know, 
the, the physical features, the hands, the limbs, everything that you, that you see, that you reflect upon, you see all of that is made for a purpose, for a goal, it fits in with everything else, it all works together, right? So a person knows that there is something behind this. Uh, there is something behind the creation of man. This is evident. So Fir'aun, he knows all of this. And so he is simply saying, وَمَا رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ What is this Lord of the Worlds? This is from pure, this is mu'anada. This is just pure, uh, deliberate rejection and opposition. Stubborn opposition, that's, that's the word, mu'anada. Stubborn opposition. So in response to this, uh, Musa alayhi salam, he stated, قَالَ رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا إِن كُنْتُمْ مُعْقِنِينَ So he said, the Lord who is your Lord, the one which you are denying, He is the Lord of the heavens and the earth and whatever is in between them, إِن كُنْتُمْ مُعْقِنِينَ If you have certainty. Now the scholars, they explain the meaning of in kuntum mu'qineen. And what it means, what this means is, that if you were to have certainty in anything, in any issue, meaning that if you were to be convinced about any one thing, the fact that you can even have certainty about any one thing, right? Then the certainty about Allah is even greater. Meaning that it's not possible for you to have certainty about anything from the things in which you, could, which you can have yaqeen except that the certainty that you ought to have in Allah is even greater. Right? Meaning that if you, if you can have certainty in anything like for example if you have certainty that you exist if you have certainty that you are in this place whatever, whatever, whatever thing it might be just the mere fact that you are able to have certainty in anything from the affairs, that in itself, your ability to have yaqeen in anything, that's a proof that, that the, the existence of Allah is absolutely certain. Is absolutely certain. Because there is no certain thing greater than the existence of Allah It is the most apparent and manifest of all things. So that's why in the argument responding to Fir'aun, his arrogance, when he said, what is this Lord of the worlds? He said, the Lord of the heavens that you see, and the earth that you are upon, and everything in between, if you have certainty, if there's anything you have certainty in, then this is even more certain. This is the greatest of the certain things. So really here, the argument here then, in the first response, is... The argument of looking at the creation of Allah Azza wa Jal. This is the basic argument. That when you look at the creation of Allah Azza wa Jal, then you see in the creation such affairs, such wisdoms, there are wisdoms, there are purposes in things. There is, uh, you, you, know, you know that there are, there are some things which exist for another thing. I could say, for example, if we take the human, for example, we have the heart, it serves a function. The heart pumps blood, the blood goes to different organs, the liver, the kidneys, the brain. 
without the heart those things cannot function and then the brain the way that functions you know it controls all of the uh, physical the the, 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 the the movements of the body and so what we, what we see is that everything is connected to something else right so this thing the brain has been made for something else and the liver has been made for something else and the heart has been made for some other purposes so everything has a purpose and it can't just be put in isolation right so so that means there is choice and there is intent there is uh, you know ikhtiyar and there is qasd behind the creation of just man this is just one entity that we are looking at the, the man right and then obviously there is ilm and there is um, wisdom hikmah because things are done for uh, purposes and goals and, and these goals exist right so when we study things we always speak in terms of this language where you know this thing is a goal for that thing and this thing serves that goal and this this thing and this is something you will see clearly you just pick up any scientific paper studying any any topic and you just read the the, the descriptions and you pick out these verbs and you every time without fail you'll see uh, you know words which clearly indicate end goals and objectives and purposes and wisdoms right you'll see this all the time so this language is something that we cannot escape the language that we use to study and analyze and describe the creation of Allah Azawajal, it is something within which it is impossible not to use words which clearly imply wisdoms purposes goals objectives right and behind that clearly is clearly it means that there is knowledge behind this there is will behind this there is wisdom behind this so the argument here is that the heavens and the earth and whatever is in between is empirical evidence of the existence of Allah meaning it's just its mere existence is proof for the existence of Allah that's as simple as it is right the proof that Allah exists is the insan is you you are the proof so when, when we have a jahid, a mu'anid, a denier like an atheist, where's the evidence for, 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 the, for the creator? Well, you are the evidence. That's you, you, the artifact, you as an individual. Just like if I was to say that this bottle is um, empirical proof of the one or the company or the being or whatever who brought it and put it in the way that it is now. Now that's undeniable because the bottle never came into existence itself right there is someone or some group or some whatever who are actually behind this this is self-evident <coughs> so in a similar manner just the insan himself the mere existence of the insan you as an individual you you are a specimen of Allah's creation and that's the proof that he exists it's as simple as that right at, at, at the basic level then we can go many many levels down because as time progresses as knowledge increases then the signs of Allah become even more and more apparent so when we go in to the cell and you know how the cell is you know the structure of the cell and all of the information uh, that it runs upon and how the analogies are like computer networks and databases and random access memory and all of these you will find in the papers now that biology life is an information science right Bio all life runs on information and it is an information science right and in fact let's let's pause on this for a bit because you will see 
the kibr, the arrogance of the disbelievers. Because before they realized that there is information that is behind life, the ideas that they had initially was just how can we generate peptides, proteins, just through random mixing of chemicals and physical processes, right? So it wasn't, they weren't aware that there was knowledge, uh, information that is running biological life, right? It's information, right? So before they were thinking, how can we just generate randomly these types of molecules? So as we progressed into molecular biology and the gene, and at the same time, they were also making advances in computers and computer networks. So there came a point when they realized, hang on, what we are learning about computers and information and, you know, it's the same thing that we're discovering in biology, right? So as they discovered the DNA and they keep, you know, moving forward in, in their knowledge, they came to a point where they suddenly realized, which is more recently, that all of biology, it basically is an information science. It's all about information, right? So now the issue becomes even more problematic because before you were just trying to randomly create proteins, peptides in the lab by you know, engineering the conditions and trying to bring them into existence because that's what you thought, that's how complicated life was. And obviously they failed miserably and they still fail miserably today. But now, now it's gone a, a level high because now you have to basically engineer, info, you, have to, you have to bring about information. So now, when you read what these people are doing, you have to laugh at these people, right? You have to laugh at what these people are doing and what they are saying and what they are claiming. Because they, they, now they're saying, okay, let's discuss how can we randomly generate information? How can we find a naturalistic way of bringing information into existence, right? And this just shows you the complete arrogance, the complete stupidity, the complete foolishness of these people. Because when you think about information, bringing information, you know, information implies that there has to be someone who is the knower of that information, if you know, know what I mean. It's like if I said to you, um, if, you know, if there was a magnetic board, if you imagine a magnetic board, do you remember those when you used to play as a child with the, with the letters and you put them on the magnetic board? Everybody used to have those, right? So imagine that if you put a message on the board and the message says something like, you know, I don't know, um, um, any, any message, I can't think of anything. You know, uh, butterflies are wonderful, whatever. I just made that up. Right. Now, you have to ask the question, this is clearly a message. It's clearly information, right? It's information which, which, which has a meaning. How do we explain how this information got there? Can we explain it by way of the magnetism? Does the magnetism explain the information? Now, can you say, can we say, oh yes, this is very easy to understand. We know why that we, we know why that's there. It's clearly because of the magnetism. Right? And we've understood magnetism, we've studied it, it's a it's a force, it's whatever. Right? So we've we've got the answer. Is is that a valid? Can you explain information like that? You can't, can you? 
because the information is independent of the medium, right? You could have scratched it onto a wall, the same information, right? The scratching is not the information. The information has to come from where? An alim, one with ilm. There has to be a knower, a knower as in K-N-O-E-R, right? A knower of the information, right? So do you understand? This is what they're trying to do now. They're trying to say, oh yeah, we, we, can, we need to study and find ways as to how can information arise. And this is from the greatest of their arrogance. Right? Because we know from our study of life, biological life, that there is an alim, there is an alam behind this creation. Just, just by default. Right? So when they study the cell, the DNA, the genes, and they see that the DNA is basically a database, so basically the, the DNA is, is like an oracle database, and then basically the RNA, the messenger RNA, which copies, it's, it's like a RAM, it makes a, a, a random access a, a memory. So this is like when, when you run your software, it just copies the software into memory and then it runs it. This is the same for, for, for messenger RNA, it copies, right? Then it goes and it creates proteins and things like that, right? So. These analogies are the exact same analogies which, which are, are there in the uh, information sciences of, of biological life. That's, that's where they are right now. So this, by default, it means that there is a knower and a creator and, uh, you know, whose creative power is tremendous. Right? It's as simple as that. The proof is already established. After this now, it's all just false arguments and false rhetoric and that's all there is after that. there's nothing nothing beyond that so the point being that Musa salam he informed him that the heavens the earth and whatever is in between that is this is a sign of the lord of the worlds right this is a sign for allah's rububiyah if indeed you have certainty in anything so now we see the counter response. And so from here, Fir'aun, he said, his response to this was, قَالَ لِمَنْ حَوْلَهُ He said to those people who were around him, he said, أَلَا تَسْتَمِعُونَ Right, so this now is from the angle of mockery and belittling him and making fun of him. Right, because he's not responding to the actual argument. Right, he's just saying to the people around, oh, have you heard what, this, what, what he's saying? Right? And this is the same thing that you see today. A lot of these very arrogant atheists, um, you will find that they, they, it's just mockery. It's, it's, it's just rhetoric and mockery. You know, uh, haven't you got over religion yet? You know, you know, we don't even want to talk to you because you haven't even got over religion yet. Forget. So basically, it's derision, it's mockery, it's, it's, it's just belittlement, it's arrogance and whatever else and see the same thing so this is one of the responses when you point to them clear manifest proofs and evidences for the existence of Allah for which there exists empirical evidence right so this is empirical evidence right that each insan every individual is an empirical piece of evidence a fly is an empirical piece of evidence it is different to a cat, for example, which is different to a bat, for example. And this argument will come in the Qur'an itself in a short while, in, in Surah Taha, the same type of argument. 
So, so we see that Allah is the Lord of the heavens and the earth and everything in between, which means the clouds, the winds, the stars, the rain, the plants, the animals, everything we know that it didn't bring itself into existence. It had a mujid, it had a muhdith, it had one which originated it, which brought it into existence. So this is the Lord of the worlds. So, Fir'aun, qala Fir'aun, qala, meaning Fir'aun, qala liman hawlahu, ala tastami'oon. Do you not listen to what he is saying? So the answer of Musa al-Islam was not to be put off by the mockery. Because the intent behind the mockery and the intent behind in these types of arguments is that people will try to create a diversion. They'll bring a diversion. Right? Because they know where the discussion is going. So then there'll be a diversionary tactic. This, in this case, it's a mockery. To mock him and belittle him. So Musa al-Islam, remember, the messengers and the prophets are guided by Allah Azawajal in clarifying the truth. And so Musa al-Islam did not waver. He was not misdirected. He went straight for the, for, for the argument. So the next thing which he said, he said, he said, Rabbukum wa Rabbu abaikumul awwaleen. He said, He is your Lord and the Lord of your very first forefathers. So think about, there's two arguments now. The first argument is the signs in the horizons, what you see of the heavens and the earth and what is in between. And the second now is the signs which are you and within you as a person. Right? These two types of evidences and signs are mentioned in another ayah in the Qur'an. And that's why we see the Qur'an explains the Qur'an. In some places, the generalization is detailed in another place with specific details. And in other, de- in, and in other places, the specific, specific details in different parts of the Qur'an are generalized somewhere else. Now, this is from the beauty of, of, of the Qur'an. So notice how here Musa al-Islam, he's using the two types of arguments that Allah Azawajal mentioned in another ayah in the Qur'an at the end of Surah Fussilat. The end of this surah, Allah Azawajal, he says, Sanurihim sanurihim, <coughs> sanurihim ayatina fil afaqi wa fi anfusihim hatta yatabayyana lahum annahu al-haq. We shall show them our signs in the horizons. What you see in the horizons? You see the heavens, you see the earth, and whatever is in between, right? And in their own selves within themselves, until it becomes clear to them that this is the haq, the truth. Right? So there are two types of evidences. You look at the creation of Allah in the horizons, and this includes all of the phenomena, the sun, the moon, the alternation, the alternation of the night and the day, the winds and the rain, and so on and so forth. And likewise, you look at yourself. You look at yourself, your creation, your faculties, and you know, your organs and everything and how you enjoy tremendous benefits, and how everything within you is created for a purpose, and a goal, and a wisdom. And so here, Fir'aun, when he rejected that argument of what is in the afaq, the horizons, then Musa al-Islam, he then moved to the argument that is closer to himself, 
which is you now as an individual in yourself. So he said, Rabbukum wa Rabbu abaikumul awwaleen. Your Lord and the Lord of your very first forefathers. What is the meaning here? The meaning here is that he is the one who created you and who created those who came before you of the forefathers and going back and back and back. And every person knows he did not create himself and nor did his father or his mother because they themselves were created you know, by, by, by the same means. And all of that going back all the way to the beginning, then this was, this was with a creator, a muhdith and a mujid, one who originated that and brought all of that into existence. So here we come back again to uh, another point at which we stop because the atheists and the arrogant uh, disbelievers, they are trying to engineer uh, the, 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 the generating life in the laboratory and generating life from non-life is physically, biologically, chemically, rationally impossible. It's impossible conceptually speaking because there are, there are multiple, uh, have you ever heard of the chicken and egg? Which one came first? Right, Eggs come from chickens, but where did the egg come from? Because you need an egg to, for the chicken to come out of, but then the chicken itself needs to have an egg. So w which one came first? The chicken that created the egg or the egg that created the chicken? Right, do you understand? So how, how does that even begin? Right? So this is what you call a chicken and egg situation. Right? So these people, when they study the, origin, the biological life, and you look at the first reproducible cell, then there are multiple chicken and egg scenarios, right? Where you need this protein and this other molecule but that molecule cannot exist except with a protein, like a ribosome or something, right? So we can't have this unless we have that, but we can't have that unless we have that. Do you understand? Right? So there are multiple systems like that which are tied into each other. They've got to all be there at the same time. Right? You can't have, okay, let's wait for the protein to be formed. And once we've got that, then we know we can create, create this. We can't have that. You can't have that. You can't have this unless you have that. And you can't have that unless you have this. Do you understand? Right? So, so they, they realize this. So, so it's, as I said, it's very funny and amusing to read these papers of these people and just to mock their intellects and their stupidity. Right? Because, this, because what the problem is that all of this is so detailed, so technical, it's all cryptical, Right, and you think that these people are onto something, but when you reduce all of these layers of complexity and whatever, and you reduce it down to the very simple, what is it that they're really trying to do? Was it what, what is it they're trying to do? It's only then that you see the stupidity of these people and the arrogance of these people, right? But that's what they, that's what they're trying to do. So they're trying to do something which is impossible, right? And then what you find is you have like maybe ten different groups. All these groups are trying to pursue a different method. Right? So one, method, one group will say, let's try the messenger RNA first situation. Let's, let's see if we can make that work. Right? Another group will say, well, actually, let's see if we can start the protein method first. 
right? Other people say something else and say others oh, say something else. So they're all going in different directions and each one of them is refuting the other one. Right? This one is saying, oh, this is false, so this, this is ridiculous, it's not going to work. And that one over there is saying, oh, messenger RNA, ridiculous, it's, it's, we, we've proven it can't work. Right? And this one is saying something, oh, clay, whatever. whatever. Right? So they're all refuting each other and the reason is because all of them are false. None of them, none of them can work, they're all false. Right? So what will happen is they'll keep going like this for the next 10 years and the 10 years after that and the 10 years after that and they'll keep making these promises. Right? We are close to discovering the answers to life. Right? All of this is kadib. It's kadib. It's deception. It's lies to make you think that, you know, uh, that, that there isn't a mujid and a muhdith. Right? It's all, all flowery deceptive, deceptive speech. Right? And because it's so technical, so cryptical, so, and most people don't understand what's going on, and people have a natural, uh, people are naturally, they, they obey authority. Right? This is the nature of people. You just obey authority. So because you think these are the specialists, they know what they're saying, whatever else. Really, if you know, if you know the language that they're speaking, they don't. They are clueless. And they are totally lost. Right? So, the point being here, that the second argument now, is that you as an individual, as a specimen of Allah's creation, right, you are a proof that there is that you have a Lord. Right? And that you know you know you didn't create yourself and all the means by which you came into existence and all of that all of that returns back to a creator. And so as time goes on, we only gain more and more yaqeen in these realities. Right? Even though before it was just a simple reality that everybody would know just looking at an insan that this, this man is, is, is makhluq, marboob, right? It's just evident, self-evident. But as we progress in knowledge, this becomes even more evident, right? As we progress in our knowledge of how life is, what it, you know, uh, how it runs, how it functions and so on and so forth. So here now the second argument, Musa al-Islam, he now brought the argument to him himself the Fir'aun, look in yourself and your forefathers, right? You, you are clear evidence that you are muhdath uh, and you know, that, you are, that you are originated, you, you were brought into existence. So as we said, these two types of arguments are the ones mentioned at the end of Surah Fusilat. So all of the evidences, they either are those which are in the horizons or they are those which, which is the study of Allah's creation and the phenomena or they are that which is the creation of man himself. And that's why in the Qur'an, this is one of the major arguments about the origin of man from a sperm drop and how he's created right in, in the womb. And all of this is, is, is a sign of the creative power of Allah. So here, Fir'aun has been rationally defeated. Right Here the argument ends because when we look at what comes next, we see that in relation to both of these types of evidences, the Fir'aun was unable to bring a counter-response. In the first response, he used mockery, right? Allah tastami'oon, don't you? Are you not listening to this man? Meaning that, look at this foolishness and what nonsense is he talking? And you know, and in the second, the second response now of the Fir'aun, he said, "Qala." Indeed, this messenger who has been sent to you, 
he is majnoon he is mad he's mentally ill right that's the same thing that you see today the atheist saying that religious people they are mentally sick they are mentally ill this is a mental disease religion is is like a drug it's the same thing that they say and this is from from their arrogance it's from the arrogance because as we said it is evidently the case that there is knowledge and there is will there is ilm there is ikhtiyar uh, there is qasd there is intent there is qudra there is power there is hikmah there is wisdom all of these things are evident from just anything that we that we we pick up we look at an insan a human we look at a leaf or a tree all of these things are very clearly evident that there are these attributes are behind all of this right so he so his response now is this messenger that's been sent to you he is majnoon majnoon so now musa islam he brings another type of argument a rational argument so now he responds with so remember he's not deterred by the mockery or accusing him of being mentally ill right so he's not deterred from any of this in the argument now he goes for the third thing so the third thing now is qala rabbul mashriq wal maghrib he is the Lord of the East and of the West and whatever is in between them if indeed you have any intellect if, if, if you understand if you grasp or understand so now there is appeal to another type of uh, evidence rational evidence what he's alluding to here as Ibn Kathir explains is that this now is speaking about like the notion of east and west is the motion of uh, the sun and the moon and the stars and the night and the day right so the notion of east and west is all tied to the day and the night the sun and the moon and the motion of the stars because this is what we witness and what we experience we see that we see that um, the, the, the sun and the moon, they have a motion which moves from the east to the west. And likewise, there, are, there is an east and a west in general, as we see in the Quran, an east and a west as we see in this ayah. Then there are two easts and two wests. And the two easts and two wests, as the scholars explain, is in winter when the sun is in a certain point when it rises, in the east it's like further that way and then in the summer it goes further back that way so there's two extremes of where the sun rises from in winter and summer those are the two easts right at sunset and sunrise so that's lord of the two easts and the two wests and then we have uh, uh, the, the mashariq and the maghrib the lord of the east and the wests that is the hundred the hundred and eighty odd you know the the individual points at which the sun rises and sets on the other side each of those on every day is a point in the east or a point in the west in between those two extremes right so east in general west in general then the two easts and the two wests and then the individual east and wests right so all of these so this is one aspect here second aspect here obviously is the day and night itself so the night and day is also moving like that and the night and day increases and decreases as well and likewise we have the motion 
of the stars as well. So all of these are connected, uh, connected phenomena. They all are, are, are basically working together. So um, all of these, Musa al-Islam is indicating, they are under, they are, they are, they are under Allah they are um, under his control, under his subjugation, under his his regulation, and all of these affairs proceed in accordance to precision, precision, and timing, and like clockwork, everything works according to clockwork, and all of this is clear evidence of the maker, of the mudabbir, of the khaliq, malik, mutasarrif, right, this is clear evidence, these affairs are clear manifest evidences. As for what they say and what they tell us today about the big bang, and the so-called solar system, all of, all of this ikhwan, is pure conjecture. Right? The Big Bang is batil. There's no, there was no such thing as a Big Bang. Right? This Big Bang, some priest looked at some, some equations of Einstein, which are just mathematics with no connection to reality. Right? And this priest from Belgium is looking at these equations. Oh, I can see a cosmic egg in these equations. An egg, an egg which exploded, right? So he comes up with this idea of the Big Bang. And then they start conjecturing, saying, well, if there was a Big Bang, then we should see this and this and this. Then they conduct experiments to see if they can see this and this and this. Now this is, is, is a fallacious form of argumentation in, in science itself, right? Because there's... there's, there's um, this, this is to do with, with, with science, to be honest, I don't want to go into the, into the details, but if you look at the way they construct their theories, right, you, you can see that there's false types of reasoning which underlie the way that they develop these theories. Let me give you a quick example. If I, if I said to you, um, uh, if the floor is wet, then I know it's been raining. Is that correct? Why is that not correct? Well, floor being wet could be could be any other reason. It could be because someone just washed his car. It could be someone. There could be some condensation due to the cold in 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 the morning. The condensation it drips off the house or the car, and the floor is wet, right? So when you look at the way they construct the evidence for their theories, they're saying, well, if there was a big bang, we should expect to see cosmic background radiation everywhere. Then they try and find, do we see cosmic background radiation? Yes, we do. Therefore, there was a big bang. right? But if we make that argument in simple terms that you and I can understand, this is the example I've just given you. Like if I said, um, if there is blood on the walls, this is evidence for the Cyclops monster. Yeah? Ah, we see blood on the walls. Therefore, there is a cyclops monster. Do you understand? Right? If the Big Bang, just something imaginary they made up, right? Looking at equations which have got no connection to physical reality, right? If the Big Bang is true, we should see cosmic background radi radiation. Then they will do that and they will find cosmic background radiation. But the argument is not valid, right? Just like, like in our example, oh, there's blood on the walls, therefore there must be a, a cyclops monster. 
Well, the blood, the blood in the wall could be for a whole host of other different reasons. It doesn't have to fit into that, that model or that theory that you're trying to bring. Do you understand? Right? So, so this is how they're constructing the arguments. It's basically it's by predictions. You can make a prediction. Right? Not by falsifying, not through falsification. Right? So basically you can come up with an idea and you could be just guessing then you can make all of these predictions for that idea and all those predictions might be true. But all that's happening is you're just being pushed further and further and further into just complete nonsense because you haven't used other methods of science which, which is like falsification and things like that, whatever, yeah? So anyway, the point being that um, um, what I was saying was yeah, that what, what, what these people have today of, of the Big Bang... Right, all that is complete and utter batil. There's no such thing. There was no such Big Bang. There is no evidence for a Big Bang. Right? And they realize this and they know this because there are thousands, the last time I counted, over a thousand scientists who have written and signed, you'll find, you can find it on the web, they've sit, written a declaration that we reject the Big Bang because it, 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 it is full of just invented particles, invented forces. There's, you know, it's not real science. It's just imaginary fairy tales, basically. That's what they're saying. That you, just, you know the model is false, and you're just inventing new things because you know it's false to keep it alive. Right? This is where the idea of dark matter, dark energy, black holes, all of, the, all of this, these are just inventions to make fools out of us. Right? So among the scientists are those who've actually realized we're just going in this dead end, in this direction where everything is just now become like, it's like, it's like games and it's just uh, it's, it's a joke, become a joke. Right? Can't under explain anything, just invent a particle. That we have this particle, that particle, and they're all inventing new particles. Right? Because the direction they've gone in, they know it can't work. Right? The whole gravity thing, it doesn't actually work. Right? Because, and we won't go into all that. Anyway, Ya Ikhwan, this is what they teach in the schools, whatever, but it is batil. It is false. They don't know how creation originated, right? And so on and so forth. So here, um, the argument of Musa alayhi salam here is through, by mentioning the East and the West, this is alluding to these phenomena as indicated by Ibn Kathir, to the phenomena of what we see connected to the East and the West, right? The day and the night, the alternation, and the stars, and the sun and the moon, and these phenomena. So basically, who is the one who has made all of these precise motions? Like clockwork, routinely, year, day in, day out, year in, year out, right? Who is behind this? There is, there is a power and a force behind this, and it is your Lord, the Lord of the East and the West, and whatever is in between them. So, now, the Hujjah has been, in kuntum ta'aqilun. Again, once more, the scholars explain that, that if there is anything which you are able to grasp and understand with your aql, then the existence of Allah and His Lordship, by default, is established as something that can be understood. Right? If you can understand one thing from the affairs, then that is the, 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 an even greater thing that should be understood. That, that again, the scholars explain that. So now we see, what do we see? We see these arguments from the rububiyah of Allah Azawajal, the clear signs of the rububiyah of Allah Azawajal. Right? 
These types of evidences are empirical evidences. This is the way of argument of the prophets and messengers. All this other stuff that you hear about the ontological argument and the cosmological argument and all of this other stuff which are from the philosopher, right? This is not used by the prophets and messengers. Those are the weakest types of arguments. That's why you see that you'll see the, the, the people of Kalam, the people who are Juhal, they use those types of arguments because they are weak. They are very fine, long-winded. You just get into, into wrangling and debates with respect to them. Right? But the type of argument of the, of the messengers and prophets, it is based upon, it's empirical. Right? It's like me saying, this bottle, has, there exists on this creation, the maker of this bottle. You can't argue with that, you can't deny that. Because it's an undeniable argument. Right? And so, the argument of the prophets and messengers is by using the actual artifacts of Allah's creation, which is you and me, and the sun and the moon. And all these things. It's a very simple, powerful argument. And that's why these people, they will mock you. They will mock you for using these arguments because they have no answer. Because it's, it's, a, val it's a valid, rational uh, you know, argument. It can't, it can't be defeated. Right? Like Ibn al-Qayyim says, you can't deny that there are wisdoms, there are hikam in creation. Right? That, meaning that there are end goals and purposes and wisdoms and things are made for each other and you know for each other and whatever. All of these are hikam. There are millions and billions of them in Allah's creation. And they are within our, our realm of study. Right? So you can't deny that there, 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 there is hikam. And that implies knowledge. The attributes of knowledge and wisdom and choice and intent. So these attributes must belong somewhere. Where do they belong? They belong either to a being or they belong to nature itself. Right? So this bottle indicates knowledge, wisdom, will, power. Those attributes either belong in a being external to this bottle, or those attributes belong to the bottle. Right? So all an atheist is doing, the only, the only, the only escape he has is to say those attributes belong to this bottle. And that means that he's majnoon. He's lost his intellect. Majnoon. Right? That's exactly what is taking place, but they've got very sophisticated me methods of hiding all of that. They hide it all with flowery, deceptive language. Right? That's all there is to it. So now, the hujja has been established upon Fir'aun by way of these arguments. And uh, yeah, that's what they're doing. They yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's why they call mother, mother nature. They're basically making nature the creator. As, as Ibn al-Qayyim says, it's Ibn, Ibn al-Qayyim says, why, why are you calling it tabi'ah, nature? Why, why don't you say, call it with its name, it's Allah the creator? Why are you taking these attributes and just putting them in, in, in nature? Nature is just either, nature is either matter or the attributes of matter, right? It's either the essence or the, sifa, the sifat of the essence, right? So you can't, you can't attribute to matter wisdom and knowledge. You can't do that. But that's what you're doing. right? So why are you calling it Tabi'ah and things like that? Just say it's Allah, Lord of the worlds. That's all it is. Right? So, so basically that's what they're doing. Yeah. And as for the billions and billions of years, well they need that, even though that's false as well. It's not possible. Right? Anyway. 
So now that the hujjah has been established upon Fir'aun, Allah's rububiyah has been established. And the implication is that you must worship Allah alone, abandon your arrogance, abandon the false deities among your people, and worship Allah alone. The hujjah has now been established. So what does he say now? He says, um, So now look what he says. Now the, the argument, he's defeated the argument. He said, if you take a deity besides me, then I'm going to imprison you. I'm going to put you in prison. This now is the threat of violence. Right? So look at each time, look at all of the arguments. We start from the very beginning in this story. He mocked Musa al-Islam for not being able to speak properly. Number one. Number two, he tried to use a favor that he had over Musa salam, in that he raised him in his household. You owe me a favor. False argument. Third one, you committed a crime. You killed a man in our land. You were ungrateful. You were from the disbelievers, meaning kafir, meaning ungrateful people. Right? False argument. Then he used the argument of the rububi of Allah in what we see in, in, in the creation of Allah. What did he say? Mockery. Look, look at this. Look at this, look at this man, look at this fool. Are you listening to what he's saying? Belittlement, false argument, not even an argument. Then he told him to reflect in himself his own creation. What did he say? He said, Majnoon, look at this Majnoon, this man is Majnoon. Madness, false argument. Then he basically brought him another type of argument about the precision and the control of Allah over the phenomena of night and day and so on and so forth in, you know, in, in the form of East and West. What did he say? Right, if you do not accept me as your ilah, you're going to go to prison. Now it's the threat of violence because you are bankrupt in evidence. Right? So this is, where he, this is what he says. And then Musa al-Islam, he said, Even if I came to you with some, with some clear evidence, clear sign. Right? So this now is leading to the signs that Musa Islam was given in order to show to Musa at the right time. Right? So remember, all of this, the manhajul anbiya fi da'wati ilallah, the methodology of the prophets in calling people to Allah, it is guided by Allah. And that's why these prophets and messengers, in the way that they call their people, you will see that there is a specific method and a way. And you can see that clearly in the story of Musa salam, Now the time has come, he's denied all of these rational arguments, and he's tried to divert by all these false arguments. We've seen one, two, three, four, five, six, six, six false arguments. Now the time has come to show him an actual ayah, a sign. Maybe that's going to convince him. Maybe that's going to show him that indeed Musa salam, is in fact a true and real messenger. Right, so this is where we are leading to next. And what we'll do is we'll stop at this point. Uh, we haven't got to the second argument yet uh, from Surah Taha. Inshallah, we'll take that up in the next lesson. And we'll, we'll conclude our lesson there for today, Inshallah Ta'ala. And we'll continue um, in two weeks' time, Inshallah. Uh, um, In the context of, of, of the argument, it appears to be Musa alayhi salam. 
uh, but that does not mean that it cannot be uh, Harun salam conveying you know but I think in the course of this specific argument it, it appears to be Musa salam Allah knows the best okay we'll conclude then inshallah we'll continue two weeks time alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu ala nabina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in